0: 2nd Chronicles chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 9, the Bible says when Shishak king of Egypt attacked Jerusalem, he carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything including the gold shields Solomon made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards went with him bearing the shields, and afterward they returned them to the guard room. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in these next few moments, Lord God, remove me, place your Holy Spirit here in this place, Lord God, behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear, Lord God. Let faith arise and let our enemies be scattered. Lord, I pray that you would make us out to be pure as gold. Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. And we all said, before you're seated, shake about three people's hand and ask them, what are you made of? Then you may be seated. Winston Churchill said, however beautiful the strategy, you should occasionally look at the results. In our society today, we have a place where the results are seldomly praised, but bad results are drastically magnified. You look at the news, you watch the news, and and really, as you and I both know, whenever we turn on any channel of any news, it's pretty much bad news. Our society does not love the great results that produces from great character. They love bad results that comes from bad personalities. Many times, even within our society, we say things like, well, it doesn't even matter, anyways. Whatever happens, happens. There's an old song I, I believe it used to say, K Sera Sera, right? Whatever will Whatever will be, whatever happens. It's not a big deal. That's what our society begins to even tell us. Why should I even perceive a practical present? It's not a big deal. Well, I'm here this morning to tell you that it is a big deal. How you get to heaven does matter. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people are sharing and saying different things, talking about, well, just be a good person. You're going to make it to heaven. No, my friend, there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. It does matter how you get to heaven. The road that we travel is a narrow road. I know in today this whole pluralism, how things begin to come around and just kind of add it on. Sounds good. If it feels good, it must be good. No, my friend. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. Matter of fact, what you're going to be hearing in just a little bit right now, what you could tell that just because it's bad doesn't mean the uh, uh, the end of the process is not good sometimes some of the worst situations you go through come out for the best of your life. But it's just seeing and understanding and having the perspective that God has for your life. See, in our society today, we look at things and we go off things of how we feel. Do you guys remember when we elected Governor Schwarzenegger, remember that? Who would have ever thought we would have called him a governor? But let's be honest, a lot of people, they voted for him, oh, I love his movies, right? That's just our society. That's what we do. Oh, I like his movie. Oh, he's he's a black man. Let's vote for him. Now I know some of you looking at me like, no, that can't be the case. I've talked with a lot of people that actually told me they voted for him just because of his skin color. That, but look at that's our society. They don't look at the values. They don't look at the principles. They don't look at character. They just how does he look? How does she look? Oh, okay, I, I like the way she looks. Let's go after her. I like the way he looks. Let's go after him. See, we seldomly look at what really matters, but we always look on the outside and say, if it looks good on the outside, then it must be good. My friend, I'm here to tell you, don't follow the way society has pictured it for you, but you've got to be able to w- follow the ways that God has set before us. See, my friend, character doesn't matter. Elmer G. Letterman said this. He said, personality can open doors, but only character can keep them open. I like an old Jap- Japanese proverb said, When a character of a man is not clear to you, just look at his friends. See, our society, even today, we have our social networks, right? See, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he he figured this thing out. He figured it out. He said, I'm going to get bigger than Twitter all by one thing. You know what he did? If you uh, read his story, I read his story. He figured out something to get bigger than any other social network. You know how he did it? He said, don't call them followers, call them friends. And if we look at the social network, probably even some of you on Facebook, probably half of those people, you never even shook their hand in your life. You don't even know who they are. But yet when you go on Facebook, that's my friend. I know her. I see her every morning when I wake up and I scroll. That's my friend. Because society has figured it out. How can we keep a connection with not a real connection? How can we keep things moving without things actually never moving at all? They have figured this out, and society has said, let's give a bright, shiny outside, but it doesn't matter what's happening on the inside. See, my friend, I'm here to tell you that what, what is on the inside, it does matter. God is looking for men and women that have on the inside, they have character, they have depth, they have something to them. More than just to offer what's on the outside, but something on the inside. Tell your neighbor, it's on the inside. See, what is character? Character is depth. The measurement from the top down, from the surface inward, from the front to the back. The Bible says in 107 chapter, uh, verse 24, it says, They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. Those that launched down in the deep. Matter of fact, I believe it was in the book of Luke where Jesus told his disciples, he said, hey, stop launching right here in the shadow, in the shallow. You need to go to the deep. Go to the deep. Stop going with all this surface stuff. Stop going with all this just shallow stuff. You need to get into the deep. Listen, some of you here this morning, you need to start just getting, stop getting your feet wet. You need to start getting your knees wet now. Oh, hopefully someone's going to catch that right there. Some of you need to stop getting just ankle deep. You need to start getting knee deep. Get on your knees. Get in prayer. Not just for a, a, a few seconds before the mirror where you're just standing. Okay, God, I'm uh, kind of getting ready, brushing my teeth. Uh, you know my heart. No, get deep. Get in prayer. Wake up 20 minutes earlier just to give God that rightful time where you get in deep. So Tell somebody, get in deep. See, in order for us to go where we've never gone before, see what we've never seen before, we're going to have to get into the deep. I believe that God has a great promise and a great plan for Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But if we're ever going to see that promise fulfilled, we're going to have to launch out into the deep. See, Christ our Savior is not looking for men and women who will last just with depth, or excuse me, who will last with depth and not look good with just superficiality. I like what Sam Ewing said. He said, hard work spotlights the character of people. Some turn up their sleeve, some turn up their noses, and some just don't turn up at all. Because when it comes to hard work, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I I seen a uh, sister Julie. She posted a meme, a meme, having cracked me up the other day. It had a guy. Uh, uh, he, he had that funny look on his face. And if you don't know what a meme is, it's just a picture, and it has some you know uh, writing there on it. And there was writing on the guy. It had his face. It kind of had that weird face, like huh? And it said, "You want to do full-time ministry, but you can't stack no chairs." I was like, ooh, that hit you right there. Because hard work, it'll spotlight people. If you really want to test, look at if you really want to test your children, give them hard work. You want to test their maturity, give them hard work. That's how somebody once told me. If you want to keep your kids' feet on the ground, put responsibility on their shoulders. Give them hard work. See what happens. See how they feel. See if they really are becoming the man or the woman that God has called them to be. Listen, my friend, God is looking for character within our church, not numbers within our church. Do we have men and women that are willing to fight on their knees for their family late at night, early in the morning? Men and women with character. Can I hear an amen? See, this story here in 2 Chronicles chapter 12 is a perfect title and a perfect way to see how God is looking for character. In 2 Chronicles chapter 12, we see this man by the name of King Rehoboam. He was the grandson of King David, the son of Solomon. He also began his reign as king of Israel at the age of 41, and he was in that position until he was 58 years old. Now, in verse 1 of 2 Chronicles chapter 12, the Bible says that he forsook the law of the Lord and all of Israel went with him. Now, what's heavy about that is that you need to know something. Whether you're a good leader or a bad leader, you're still a leader. Are you hearing me? Whether you're a good leader or a bad leader, you're still a leader. Preferably, you're a good one. This man right here, he was a bad leader. And so because he was a bad leader, everybody behind him followed him. Everything that he forsook, they all forsook. Everything that he went after, they went after. See, the Bible says that here, what he began to do in this portion of Scripture, that as he began to go, the Bible says that he began to strengthen himself. In other words, he became a prideful man, a prideful person. Listen, I don't know about you, but having pride, that's a horrible way to live. That's a horrible way to lead if you're a leader. This is what we see with this man. Now, now this is what really gets me in this portion of Scripture. I don't have time to read it all, but on your own time, read it. 2 Chronicles chapter 12. You can read the whole story. But re- what really got me is how he became prideful. If you read it there in verse 14, you can read it there. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, it says that he did not prepare his heart to seek or to worship the Lord. Now, I'm here to tell you something here this morning. Preparation is a big deal so you don't get a lot of amens on that i understand that but preparation is a big deal see how you come in to the house of god is a big deal it is a big deal no, that's not big come as you are yes that's true but you've been saved now for a while are you going to stay as you are Are you going to stay as you are? No. There is a process that God has been uh, taking you through, and now with the preparation. That's why it gets me sometimes, because you already know, especially here within Victory Outreach, there are certain values and certain convictions that we have. Without a shadow of a doubt, we sing songs, we sing music. Not only do we sing music, we like to move, we like to dance. Like you know, it's just kind of who we are. We shake hands. Like there's certain things that you know that we do as Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. You can go to other churches, and they may or may not have it, but we know that we do. We love to sing, we love to dance. Also, uh, another thing that we love to do, we have conviction, we make altar calls. We have altar calls. I've been to a lot of churches sometimes where I've heard a powerful word. There's one in particular, I remember, it was a powerful word. I was like, man, this guy is preaching right now. He's on fire right I was like, ooh, that's good stuff. And then he said, okay, let's all stand. And he prayed, and then he said, you're dismissed. I was like, where's the altar call? Where's the altar call? I was like, I'm a pastor. I, I heard this message as a pastor. I go, I'm a pastor. I want to make that altar call. I was like, that was powerful. We in Victoria, we make altar calls. We just do. Sometimes we just like, even, you know what we'll do? We'll even make altar calls even before the service starts. Right now, you need to, just make the altar call right now. Just go. You, know. you need to sacrifice something. It's a conviction. Also, another conviction that we have is that we believe in tithes and offerings. It's a conviction of who we are. That's why it trips me out sometimes whenever the man of God or, or the woman of God come up here and they say, okay, now we're going to pick up our tithes and offerings. And we go, oh, I didn't even know that. We do it every service. You shouldn't, see, that. that's why you need to know preparation is a big deal. That's why the Bible says when you give, don't give under compulsion. You should not give because the person up here is telling you, you better give or else. No, you shouldn't do that. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, a person who gives cheerfully. You know what a cheerful person is? A cheerful person is a prepared person. Right? I've shared that before. You ever go to a Raider game or a Niner game? You never see a Raider game where they score a touchdown and all of a sudden they go, oh, I didn't even know they were going to do that. Right? Nobody goes to a game. I didn't know he was going to throw a touchdown. That's crazy to me. No. When they score a touchdown, everybody, yeah. Why? Because they've been waiting for it the whole time. They've been prepared. They've been expecting it. That's why when the baskets go by, if you look at it and go, I I didn't even know the basket was going to come by. Really? Like you came to church, you didn't even know that there was a time to lift your hands and worship God? You didn't know that there was a time to give to, like you didn't know that? You forgot all about singing and worship? See, preparation is a big deal. This happened with King Rehoboam, and the Bible says he strengthened himself. Why? Because he didn't prepare himself. He didn't ready himself. See, you and I must understand that the Bible says that he dwells in the midst of our praise. God lives. He inhabits the praises of his people. So if you're wondering, saying, man, I wonder where God is. I wonder if God's looking down saying, I wonder where my praise is. You ever thought about that? Man, I, I, I was looking for God. I, I, I thought God was going to be here. I'm pretty sure he will be there if you just learn how to praise him. Praise him in the good times. Praise him in the bad times. Praise him in the hard times. Praise Him in the most difficult times. The other day I, was, I had the opportunity to go to Eden Hospital. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in Eden Hospital, that's when my father passed away. So whenever I go there, I get flashbacks. You ever get flashbacks when you go somewhere, right? Whether it's from a smell or from a sight or from a location or, or, or from a, a color that you saw. Well, when I go there to the hospital, I, sometimes, and, you know, I'll, I'll get a little flashback. I get, Whoa, especially in that particular floor. Like, oh, wow, you know, it kind of gets you. But I still go. I'll go pray for people. I have no problem with it. But every once in a while, I'll get that, that flashback. And I remember that time when my father passed away there in that hospital room. I will never forget being in that hallway, lifting my hands, praising God. Nobody was there. There was no video. There was no Vine. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. It was just my hands and my heart and God's ears. And one of the most difficult times, listen to me, can you praise God? In one of the most difficult times in your life, can you still praise him? Can you still bless his name? Or is it something where you use his name in vain? Oh, God, how come you're not here? Oh, God, you should have did this. Oh, Jesus, how come? Say, no, I want to challenge you. Flip it around and say, oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, I praise you. Even in the midst of the storm will I bless your name. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Let it bless your holy name. See, my friend, the Bible says that King Rehoboam, what happens in this portion of Scripture, he began to prosper. And he began to look good on the outside, but his insides were corrupt. Then in verse 5, the prophet Shemaiah came to the king, and he told them that Shishak will destroy them. Then the Lord saw how they humbled themselves. So instead of destroying them, something else was going to take place. Not because of how wise they were, but because they had forsaken God. So what happened was God forsook them now i think the other day even pastor paul he was in my car and we were they were talking about it there in the in the back of my car about how the you know the israelites and even us as america i don't know if you've noticed but this has been happening for years since the bible you know we see the things here and we, we look at isis right we look at isis and oh man they're trying to infiltrate well i'm just letting you know this kind of stuff has been happening right here second chronicles chapter 12 because they forsook god our nation if we're not careful That kind of stuff can happen to us. Don't think for a second, oh, that doesn't happen. It's been happening. There's nothing new. ISIS is right here. They've all been here this whole time. See, and what happened was this. This is exactly what happened. ISIS penetrated and got through the kingdom, and they stole the gold shields. Because the gold, it was something great to the children of Israel. The gold was something powerful. These shields. See, what you and I must understand is that even with great men in the Bible, Moses, David, Abraham, Joshua, even his very own son, he forsook many of them. He left them alone. I'm just going to leave them be. They can go and do whatever they want to do. See, but what you need to understand is that I know we hear the scripture, God will never leave me nor forsake me. That is true all in context and according to the obedience of God's will. See, so don't think for a second, well, I come to church, but I'm going to go out there and just do whatever I want to do. Put drugs in my body. Drink as much as I want. God still loves me. I would be very careful with you yeah. if I were you. I'd be very careful with that. Because you may think you look good on Sunday, but you know on the inside on Monday you ain't looking that good. But be very careful. God had to do it with Moses. I'm just going to leave him be. I'll just leave him be. God did it with Abraham. He wants to lie? I'm just going to leave him be. Just leave him be. See, you and I must be very careful when it comes to anything pertaining to sin. God is very serious when it comes to sin. He's very serious when it comes to sin. That's why God forsook his very own son. He didn't forsake him just because to forsake him. He said, no, I can't handle sin like that. I don't deal with sin like that. That's not the way I do things. If you're going to, have, if you're going to be partaking in sin, I'm going to have to just let go of that. That's what happened with here with King Rehoboam. He was partaking in something that he should not have been doing. He was getting involved with something that he should not have been taking involved with. So now we see in verse 7 how God, he didn't destroy them, but he made them subject to another king. So what happened was God gave them grace. But this was God's grace. He was going to give them life without his glory and without his excellence. Life without his glory and without his excellence. In 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 9, the Bible says that here the treasures of the temple of the Lord and of the royal palace, that Shishak, he took everything, including the gold shields that Solomon had made. Now, the gold shields, they represented the glory of God. Somebody say glory of God. Somebody say protection of God. And somebody say praise of God. Say that one more time. Say glory of God, glory of God. protection of God, of God, praise of God. One more time, glory of God, protection of God, praise of God. See, these shields, they were now stolen, and so what happened was the king, he couldn't look bad. He was the leader, right? Whether you're a good leader or a bad leader, you're still the leader. So what happened was, in all of his wisdom, in all of his understanding, King Rehoboam came up with a plan. I can't look bad to my people, so I know Everybody knows these gold shields. They were stolen. They came in and stole the main thing of who we are. I know. I'll just get some shields. They look just like it. Nobody will know the difference. We'll get some brass shields. Now, this is what's important. There is a big difference between gold and between brass. There's a big difference. Look at your neighbor. Ask them one more time. Tell them, what are you made of? There's a big difference between gold and between brass. Now, you and I must understand, we're in a battle. And when you're in the battle, that's why we call it the heat of the battle. Because the heat and the battle will always test you. It's going to see what you're made of. Now, with gold, I'm going to give you a couple things real quick that gold, what they are and what it represents, why it was so important. Gold even now, it forms the basis for monetary standard use by the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, and also for the BIS, which is for the Bank of International Settlements. In other words, how, who has a dollar right now? Who has a dollar? Give me a dollar. Anybody got a dollar? Five dollars? Ten dollars? hundred dollars? I'm just kidding. A dollar. I'll just take a dollar. One dollar. Just, just a dollar. Just give me a dollar. Just Give me a dollar right there. Five dollars. All right, five dollars. You might get it back. Praise the Lord. Just kidding. Okay. Here in America, this represents $5. Have you ever traveled to the Philippines, traveled to Russia, traveled to Europe? Guess how much this is worth? Nothing unless you trade it in. Right? This is a piece of paper. It's nothing. Write on it, tear it up, put it in the fireplace, it doesn't matter. They won't take this unless you exchange it. Now, when you do the exchange and you give this money to the exchange person, to the exchange rate, and you give it to them, they are the middleman, right? But the middle always represents the left and represents the right with a foundation. Guess what the foundation is? Gold. This is no good if there's no gold in their hood. That's how it works. If there's no gold, if they don't have no gold, this is actually worthless. They could rip it up, tear it up, nothing. See, gold is the only thing that you could take anywhere in the world, and it's still valuable. This doesn't hold that much value. It holds value here. Take it anywhere in America, it has value. But you can't take this to Peru, and it's worth anything. You can't take this to South America. You can't take this to the Philippines. You can't take it until you exchange it. But you have to exchange it for what is being represented, and that is gold. Listen to me. Can I take you anywhere in the world and you're still valuable? Can you go anywhere? Can you go to any situation and you still hold value? Do you still, Are you made of gold? Because if you're made of gold, you can go anywhere, do anything, and you still hold the value that God put inside of you. That's gold. Gold also does not react with most chemicals, but is attacked only by chlorine, fluorine, aqua regia, and cyanide. In other words, there's so many things that can come against gold, but it's no big deal. It doesn't penetrate it. Now, there are a few things that can really get to it, like cyanide. Anybody ever used cyanide before? I'm sure you have. There's not many things that can get to it. You know what Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24? He said, these things, they don't move me. Not a big deal. Oh, but didn't you hear about what they were talking about? Yeah, not a big deal. It's okay. But no, dude, they were talking. Dude, he was talking about your mama. My mama? Eh, that's all good. I love her. She knows that. But they were talking about your daddy. My daddy? That's cool. He's a good guy. I love him. But they were talking about. That's fine. Let them talk. Let them say whatever they want. My father used to always say that with that song, right? You could talk about me as much as you please. You could talk about me as much as you please. You could talk about me as much as you please. I'll talk about you when I'm on my knees. All my sins are washed away. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. That's fine. See, some of you. All it takes is one rumor and, oh my God, oh no, they said that? You mean to tell me they didn't like my dress because the colors didn't match? No! Why? Why, Macy's, why? It's just clothes. Change it. Or something else. No big deal. When you're made of gold, certain things, not a big deal. It's all right. I'm I'm not moved by that. That's why Paul understood that. He said, look, I get it. I've traveled the world. I've been a lot of places. And there's a lot of people, they say this about me. They say that about me. But it's not a big deal. I'm still going. I'm still moving. I'm still doing what God has called me to do. No matter where I go, whatever city I go to, whatever country, I still hold the value that God has put inside of me. I'm still made of gold ask your neighbor one more time what are you made of (laughs) did you know this that a single gram of pure gold can be beaten into one square meter did you know that a single gram of pure gold can be beaten into one square meter or look at this or an ounce of pure gold you guys know what an ounce is right An ounce of pure gold can be beaten into 300 square feet. Pure gold. Not diluted. Pure gold. Have you ever seen pure gold before? It's very liquid. It can bend. Right? Pure gold. So no matter how much it gets beaten, it actually gets stronger. Pure gold. No matter what happens to it, it gets stronger. You could beat me, and you could beat me, and you could talk about, you could say this. Hey, I still hold my value. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. Here, you want to talk about me? Talk about me on my good side. Go ahead. My bad side, too? Go ahead. Talk about my bad side. That's good. Let's go ahead. At least I got sides that you could talk about. Go ahead. I got something. I'll never forget my father introduced a drama one time because people were talking bad about victory outreach. I mean, crazy because at the time, I'll never forget, 1999, my father introduced a drama. Because we had done something that was really we shouldn't have done. At at that time, we had a lot of problems with blue and red. We had some major problems with blue and red. And so they said, oh, Victory Irish, what are they doing? Why are they doing all that? They're crazy. They shouldn't be doing that. We actually got, I'm not kidding, we got phone calls. We got death threats. People said, we're going to go to the drama there at Shotgun. You remember that? At Shotgun. And there at Centennial Hall, they were calling. They said, if you guys do that drama, we're going to blast the whole place. Right? That's That's what they were telling us. We would get, people would come up to us, or excuse me, we would go up to them, pass out flyers. They would rip them up right in front of us. Say, man, get out of here. Get out of here. And we're going to, like, we were getting a bunch of threats. And I'll never forget, my father goes up there, and he starts introducing the drama, and he says, you know what? I know many people, they've been talking about victory outreach. They've been saying all this about victory outreach. But guess what? At least you got a victory outreach to talk about. 30 years ago, there was no victory hours for you to talk about. At least you got something to talk about. Go for it. Beat on us. It's no big deal. We'll take it for you. I got no problem with that. So you know the other thing about gold is that gold is a good conductor of electricity. Matter of fact, for those of you that are in the construction business, you know that, right? Gold, I mean, that's why they don't do that. It's mostly copper. But gold is really the best conductor of heat and electricity. It's one of the best ones. So that what you need to know, and you and I need to understand is that you and I, we are conductors. Look at your neighbor and say, You're a conductor. Oh, come on, tell them, say you're a conductor. Now I begin to look at this because I said conductor, first thing I thought of, if you're like me in music, I thought of a conductor, right? A conductor. This, 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 A conductor. I actually began to study that word. And I studied it, and I studied it, and I studied it. And I actually broke it down. It's actually broke down into three, a prefix, and a suffix, and even a main. The word con is a prefix that means to study or to learn by heart. Catch this. Con. To learn or to study by heart. Duct. Something holding something, channeling it from one place. To another right an air duct water duct that's what duct duct tape right and then or it brings together forming nouns denoting a person or a thing it brings together a person or a noun denoting a person or a thing so in other words the conductor is this now whenever you want to learn something I was telling this the other day always flip it upside down always turn the right side up like turn it the other way around So if you're looking at a conductor, you are a person or a thing that is holding on to something that you're channeling from one place to another that you've learned by your heart. That's what a conductor is. Something that you've learned, something that you've caught, something that you have within you, that that's what you're supposed to channel. See, that's what the gold represented. It represented the glory of God. And if you're a great conductor of God's presence, then God's presence should be able to flow through you at your job, at your family, when you're at the store, when you're on the street corner. Why? Because you're a good conductor of his presence, of his glory. Then no matter where you go, all you are is just a conductor. I take what I've learned by heart, and I give it to somebody else. That's all we are, we're vessels. We're just vessels, vessels that God can use. Can we send you over here to this situation to go pray for somebody? Even though I know you're going through it, can you still be a good conductor of God's presence? I know you're going through it, but can we still send you to go pray for her? Can we still send you to go pray for him? Are you a good conductor of God's presence. See, these gold shields were made by his father, King Solomon, which signified the praise and the protection and the glory. See, gold was still and is still a serious commodity, both physically and spiritually. In Exodus chapter 37, the cherubim were made out of beaten gold. Revelations chapter 21, it says that in heaven, we're going to walk on streets of Leviticus chapter 19. There's even a rule called the golden rule. There's a golden rule. See, now there's a big significant difference between gold and even between brass. Look at your neighbor, ask them one more time, what are you made of? See, brass is an alloy of copper and zinc. Its color looks like gold. It looks similar to gold, but it's not gold. It looks like it. It seems like it, but it's not it. Just because you come to church... Just because you sit in the pew doesn't necessarily make you that Christian. You walk into a garage, don't make you a car. Walk into church, don't make you a Christian. The other day I was uh, watching this video, and I feel bad sometimes. I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. What can I say? There's nothing I can say. There's a video of this group that were getting a, a... or it wasn't a group, but it was a, some family. They were there in the parking lot of a Walmart. I don't know if you've seen this. They were in the parking lot of a Walmart, and they were having a, a heated discussion, and the police came in. And when the police came in, they tried to break them up. Now, mind you, this was family. They were all family. They were having their own, you know, mishaps and mistakes. And they came in, and they, you know, they, they basically were telling the police, just leave us alone, you know, we're... We're going to work this out our way. And the police were like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, trying to break them up. And then all of a sudden, I guess something happened, and one guy swung, and boom, they started to go, they started hitting the police, and they, while they were hitting the police, they were still hitting each other, like, they were, you know, wanting to fight, I mean, really wanted to go at it. Now, that wasn't that big a deal. The big deal was that later on, the news reporter found out that those people, they were a part of a Christian band. Right? Makes you go, ah, come on, guys, really? Come on, you're making the team look bad. But that's what happens when you're made of brass. You make the team look bad. You could seem like you're like it. Yeah, I'm a Christian, hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to God. But on the inside, you got some diluted things in there. See, the other thing about brass is that it's relatively resistant to tarnish and is often used only, look at this, it's only used for decoration and for coin. That's it. They just use it to look nice. That's it, just to look nice. It's just used for decoration. This is the thing that really got me about brass, is that brass has a higher flexibility than copper or zinc. However, the boiling point for brass is 900 to 940 degrees Celsius. That's the boiling point for brass. But look at this. The boiling point for gold, 2,807 degrees. What am I saying? I'm saying that you can always tell what a person's made of by the heat and the fire they go through. You can always tell. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, if you want to see the character of a man, see what gets him angry. What are the things that get you angry? Because is it those little things that get you angry? When that person cuts you off on the freeway, oh, man, they don't know. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm praying for you, brother. But I wish I could do something else with you, brother. Sounds funny, but I've heard many of people, their whole day was thrown off just by a person getting cut off. Whole day, all messed up. Now everybody's going to feel the wrath of them because of this one driver. They walk in the house, what's going on here? Why is this happening? How come this is on? Where is this over here? Oh my, and the kids are like, oh my gosh. What happened to you? It's the Fast and Furious. Everybody needs to hurry up. Get over here. Let's do this right now. Like, oh my gosh. You can always tell the measure of a person. What gets them angry? What gets them upset? See, that's why sometimes you ever talk with somebody and say, hey, uh, hey, brother, hey, sister, You know, I wanted to talk with you. Uh, uh, I had heard, uh, you know, that this was going on. You think I could? Who told you that? Who said that? Oh wait, till, oh yeah, just tell me, just tell me, because once you, oh man, she gonna, oh she don't even know, she don't even know, like, whoa, we're not even talking about the situation, because who did it? Who did it? Who did it? Well, if we're honest, you did it, but just somebody found out about it, right? We're trying to deal with what's going on here, trying to see what's going on. What are you made of? See, somebody made of gold, oh, that's fine, that's cool, not a problem, I I get it. But somebody made of man! oh, man, oh, oh, and listen, if you've been here in my church before, I talked about that spirit of anger, right? I talked about that thing and how you you can lose 20% or 30% of your, your brain activity based upon how heated you get, Right? Yeah, I've never seen anybody so angry made a great decision based on anger. Oh, man, oh, man. I'm about to make a million dollars right now. Oh, yeah! Never, I've never seen that. Never seen that. Because when people get hot, when people get angry, they just want to, oh, I just want to hit something. You ever notice that? Just want to hit something. Why? Because something hit you first. Something hit you first. It tested you first. It seen what you were made of first. See, King Roboam, he didn't want to look bad. So I know, I know I don't have the gold no more, but I'll put up the brass. Listen, for those of us here this morning, it's us I close and they can come to the piano right now. I want to challenge you. I don't want to ask you, when it comes to the things of God and, and what God wants to do within your life, what are you made of? What kind of a Christian are you? Are you a person that God can even send things your way that may not be the greatest of storms and may not be the greatest of situations, but can you still be a person that was beaten gold, been through a few things, had a few scars, still all right, still okay, I'm still going strong? I think it was Pastor Eddie yesterday, right, for those of you that went to the uh, discipleship, he talked about your threshold for pain. Your threshold for pain. That's how you could tell a lot about a person, your threshold for pain. Now, the thing about it, this is what really gets me. I was even uh, reminiscing just the other day. I was talking with somebody about it because we were, we were discussing, and I told them, yeah, I have four kids. And they looked at me and said, you have four kids? I go, oh, yeah. I said, but let me be honest. I didn't make the four kids. My wife did. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, to be quite honest, I was reminiscing about it. I was like, man, there's just a supernatural strength that women have. I just, I'll never understand it. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll never know how much it costs. I'll never know. But man, the, the, the pain that you see these women go through. Now, if you've ever been in the hospital, I'm, now I'm not going to lie. I was in the room for my first one and my first one only. I saw the first one. And after that... I think my second one, I went to Starbucks or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't. Somebody did go to Starbucks for me, though. That's why I say that. I, I was, uh, I was actually on the other side of the curtain. I just, it was. I'm just being honest. I was like, oh man. Oh. When I first got married, that's what they told me. Oh, you're going to love it when you have kids. And so you said, oh, man, you have kids. It's going to be great. It's gonna be... Oh, you're going to love the kids. And so you're like, yeah, all right. I can't wait. I, all right, I can't wait. And then I'll never forget that nine-month process to get that baby. Oh, Lord, help me. Two o'clock in the morning, my wife would wake up. Stevan, I'm hungry. Uh, Okay. And uh, I think our first one, she wanted this ice cream, I think it was. It was the ice cream or something. I can't remember. And she wanted the ice cream. Then again the next day, man, I, I just want this. I want, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, man, I just wanted the kid. Why can't you, just, why could you just, give me, just give me the kid? And like, Why do I have to go through all this stuff? Why have... But just like we've heard before here, in order to receive the promise, you got to go through the process now I love my kids but I know it took a process for my wife to go through now it's taken a process for me learning what it is to be a father there's a difference between having a kid and being a father you want to be a daddy be a daddy go have sex anybody could do that just have sex go out there you are now a daddy you want to be a father learn what it's like stay there don't move go through it hear it over and over daddy daddy that's right that's right wake up do the diapers do this clean that, clean that. oh my gosh yeah see because it, the promise of having children look great right <laughs> process what are you made of i just want to get married i just want to get married oh you want to get married oh that's good that's great oh my gosh pastor get her out of here i married the devil Well at least she's your devil Careful what you ask for Because there's a process to that promise Now listen In no way shape or form am I ever saying Don't have kids or don't get married That would actually be a contradiction to my lifestyle Get married Please get married Do it right have children please have children but do it in the right steps your character matters the process matters i know everyone else what you watch on the news you see the highlighted stuff you don't see the low lights because the low lights is where character is made In the dim lighting that's where character is processed In the low lights listen to me i know some of you right now you're going through it and you're saying man but nobody notices no God knows exactly what he's doing with you. God knows exactly what he's doing with you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the praises of men. Don't worry about people giving you the the, the pat on the back. Don't worry about that right now. God knows exactly what he's doing with you. Matter of fact, be careful if you're going to toot your own horn. Somebody once said, if you toot your own horn, it's always out of tune. Be very careful with that. Stay in that process. I know the marriage is difficult, but that's your husband. I know the parenting is difficult, but that's your child. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But God knows exactly what he's doing with you at the right time. What are you made of? Are you made of brass or are you made of gold? My prayer here is that Victory Hour Heart of the bay, that we would be made of pure gold. Men and women that love God, that are seeking his face, that can carry his protection, carry his presence, and carry his glory. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of my favorite messages. One of my favorite messages. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. No matter how hot it gets, still made of pure gold. I know it's only 1,000 degrees. It's only 1,400 degrees, but you can take it. I know it's difficult, but you can take it. I know your boss, it's looking like the people around you are getting laid off. And you might get laid off, but uh, you can take it. I know it's getting a little dip- difficult. I know people are praising you. I know people are lauding you. But listen, you can take it. You can take it humbly. You can take it. Whether it's up or whether it's down. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. Whether it's light or whether it's dark. You could t- I-, I know you could take it. God knew exactly what He was doing. With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning and you say, you know what? I want to be made of pure gold. I'm going through a few situations. I'm going through a few processes right now. But I know I want to come out as pure gold. I don't want to be made and looked at as just decoration or just a coin. But I want to go anywhere and everywhere and hold the value that God has given me within my life. I don't want to just be a a, a leader that doesn't know where they're going. But I want to be a leader that holds on to the compass that God has for my life. If that's you here this morning, as it begins to sing this